0: T-minus one week until opening night of the 2018, no, it's not 2018, it's 2019, it's 2019-20, we're off to a good start already, uh, opening night for the Carolina Hurricanes, and that will be against the Canadiens on October 3rd. Uh, we're recording this podcast one week in advance, and you'll hear it this weekend. Um, this is the Canadiens Country Podcast, I'm Brett Finger, I'm with Justin Lape, of course. Justin... Hello, boy, (laughs) boy, are we getting close to hockey, huh?
1: I know it's insane. The summer flew by, or at least the back half did the back half did.
0: Yeah. Um, So obviously, we're going to start off by talking about how Frederick Clayson got cut from the training camp roster.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. As we should start this podcast this way. Yes.
0: Give me everything you got on Frederick Clayson
1: um he's a defenseman
0: all right very good let's talk about justin Falk. yep that's good um i think that's all we need to say about frederick layson i think that's just about (laughs) he is a defense that that pretty much works i think that's as in-depth as you can go about that um so yeah justin falk it finally happened they traded him they traded him to st louis where he immediately signed a seven-year extension worth six and a half million dollars a season so that's very good for him and in return the Hurricanes got Joel Edmondson and Dominic Bach so this is a pretty surprising bit of news I, it's somewhat surprising we knew that there were trade things happening in the background and you know I was concerned about it because I was concerned about you know how are they gonna replace Fox minutes and um, I was concerned about them blocking a spot up front for G- Natius or Gauthier and I think they made a trade that made a lot of sense, Justin. uh, What are your thoughts on Falk for Edmondson and Bach? They exchanged picks, too, but those are meaningless somewhat.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much meaningless. Um, No, this trade is interesting. Um, I think it was – it's obviously necessary that Justin Falk had to go. It just came to that point uh, in in the crossroads more or less that – Hey, we weren't going to give him the extension that he wanted. There's no reason to hold this over until the trade deadline, especially when there you could get even maybe even less value um, than this trade got for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, right-handed shots coming at a, a premium, and you know, but the Hurricanes had enough of them. Uh, and the top four is is set. So, I mean, there's no real need to, you know, expand on. Or add any more defensemen, or you know, keep Justin Falk in the a bottom pairing role. That just doesn't make sense. So um, no, I I think that this was a move that Waddell made that you know gave them the best they could do. Uh, Joel Edmondson was a name in the playoffs. I mean, he played pretty decent minutes in the playoffs for the Blues, and you know was a name that came up often if you were uh, paying attention in the second half. Uh, And Dominic Bach is you know, a former first rounder and, you know, hasn't cracked their lineup yet, but their lineup is obviously of Stanley Cup championship caliber. So um, I guess you, you got what you could with this this trade. You knew it was coming and, and you know, it gets some salary off the books, which was ultimately kind of the big goal of it as well.
0: Yeah, I think it, it accomplished all of that. Uh, they get Joel Edmondson, who can play the PK, and he plays a more aggressive game that I think the Hurricanes needed after they lost Furland and Maneleinen, who signed in the KHL this week as well. Uh, The Hurricanes still retain his rights, so he could be a part of their future plans. Uh, Just didn't really make sense right now with all the the names they have. And, yeah, I think uh, if you're going to trade Falk, uh, my thing was you need to get a defenseman back who can replace him to some degree, and and play well on the penalty kill. And, and Edmonton's an upgrade on the penalty kill over Falk. So I, I like that part of it. I think that made the trade a lot better for Carolina now. And Dominic Bach is an exciting prospect who a lot of people are high on. Um, he's a top 50 prospect considered by a lot of people. And, you know, he's highly skilled. He's in the SHL. He had a very good year as an 18- and 19-year-old in the SHL last year. He'll be back there this year. Uh, they'll see him in camp next year at Kane's training camp. So, yeah, I like the return. I think that it helps them now and it helps them later. And it kind of removes the awkward tension to an extent with Falk and just the fact that Hamilton and Pechi were both there and they're all—all all three of them were top four defensemen. It was my opinion that Falk was the least—I um, I, I guess the worst of the three. Uh, even though Falk's not a bad defenseman. he's just those two are so good. And the, the, you have to give out those mitts somehow, and it didn't make sense to have Falk anymore. And I think that the move makes sense, and they get a good third-pairing guy in Edmondson who brings a different element to the team. Uh, but it's not just our opinion that we have on this. Justin?
1: Yes. Um, I spoke to Fox Sports Carolina's play-by-play analyst, John Forslund and Trip Tracy. I mean, you guys all know who that is.
0: Really? Um, I've never heard of them before. Yeah, yeah.
1: They, they, they're they familiar names around these parts. But, uh, yeah, I spoke to them a little bit about the Falk trade and, and what it means for the team and a little bit about, you know, how it affected chemistry. So uh, take a listen.
2: And I will we get to know these players, in some cases, from the time they're 18 years old. So, in that period of time, you see a a young boy develop into a man, and you see him start his career. and You kind of, are a boyer in terms of their, in terms of how they perform on the ice and, and how they behave off the ice, and how they go through the pitfalls of adversity and how they handle some big highs. In this case, you know, here's a player who never reached any playoff success until last year. To see him perform the way he did was, was phenomenal. So when these things happen what I'm driving at here, and I think Triple concurs, it's, it's difficult for us because it's somewhat personal in a business where you're not supposed to be personal. But we have no choice. So as far as Justin Falk, the, the player and the, the young man, I have great things to say about him. I think he was a, a leader for this team. I think he was an outstanding person in the community. And I think he, uh, his heart was always in the right place. And uh it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of a different dynamic moving forward without him on the team, in my opinion. But um I went up with a great thing to say about him because even when he was going through some inconsistencies, maybe trying to do way too much, uh, teams that were not as strong or he was a, a lone ranger in many defensive situations, you know, he, he just put his head down and tried to do the best that he could. And he's uh, he's gifted. He has a tremendous amount of talent. Um, he's learned how to work harder um, and, and kind of morph himself into the best position to be successful as an athlete. And you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best. So that's kind of where it is. And I know will say say almost the same thing. Maybe has some more truth because um, it, it, it's tough when this happens. It's, it's not it's something where we just look at things on paper. Take like, it. Here's a here's a trade. Let's uh, dissect it. It's a little bit different for us. say I probably haven't felt like this. Um then I just was on the phone privately with John before this call. Um, you know, with Justin coincidentally moving on to the St. Louis Blues. John was doing a national game and, and Eric Stahl got traded right before the hurricane kind of study after we're playing the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know and, and Justin like Eric at the time, you know, we John and I watched them go from being, you know, really kids Justin was a little bit older because he played the, the year he did at Duluth, um, Eric, a teenager, and then just to watch him grow into being men, uh, learn what it takes to be consistent NHL performers, and in both cases, you know, significant impact players and leaders on the team. Um, it's tough. Uh, just a, a couple of quick memories. I mean, I remember when when before the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg, um, I was at our hotel in, in Atlanta the night before a game, and the NCAA tournament was, was going on, and Duluth was playing. And I remember I got room service, and I watched Justin Paul quarterback that Duluth power play. And, you know, they won a national championship, and he signed shortly thereafter. That's my first memory of him. And then, um, you know, his first trip to go play in Minnesota, obviously where he's from, John and I were having dinner with a couple of investors from the team, and, and Justin was sitting right next to us with his mom and his grandmother, I believe. At that restaurant, you know, because of you know, you, he never lost his roots. Uh, totally concur with Johnny that um, this has always been a very important teammate in the dressing room, very important, and was a huge part of the chemistry that was as big of a meal ticket as the Hurricane tad to the playoff success, getting back in the playoffs and winning a couple of rounds last spring. Um, and. Even though he was a co-captain the year before, I think without question, his his, his finest leadership moments came last year. Uh, I think John and I both thought that he was the type of player, maybe it was because of his NCAA national championship pedigree, that when he did finally play in the playoffs, that he would be one of those players that elevated their game, uh, dug in, uh, found a way to, to, to flourish in playoff hockey, and I certainly think he did. You know, I can't help but think about um, the third period and the first overtime and the second overtime in Washington. I mean, as stingy as he was playing, a, I mean, a, a, a really powerful brand of defense to eventually win that series. Um, you now it's a it, it, it's a tough day. Um, you know, I know the Hurricanes. Um, you know, t- made made attempts to make him part of this core and you know this 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 team moving forward. It's unfortunate that that didn't happen, but like John, I have nothing but great memories about uh, Justin both on and off the ice, and this is one of those situations where even though our job is to be professional broadcasters, when you're with guys so much, you develop personal relationships over the years, in particular when you see the maturation um, of a really good person and player like Justin.
1: Thank you for that. Um, moving on more to the on-ice product a little bit. Uh, Defense was, you know, a very big strong suit for the Hurricanes. Now you take Falk out of the equation and you insert Jake Gardner. Um, do you think they still rank among the best in in the league and and being able to stop most offenses in a in a very tough division? Well, it's
2: it's it's a really good defensive core, and um, it's interesting because you know with with Gardner and Falk, I would say. They, you could put the six guys you know, whoever they end up being and with a healthy Trevor Van Riemsdyk probably against anybody, man for man through six. You're going to get some teams with maybe better ones, better four one through four um, but in terms of totality I, I would say there was an outstanding group. Now you take Falk out of the mix I guess the key here is is unknown because Jake Gardner has always been elite in terms of offensive skill um, in terms of transporting the puck, uh, making the power play better than it has been here will be one of the prime focus, uh, focuses of, of what he's supposed to bring to the table. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see on that. If he performs to the level they expect and that he and plays to his strength, then the Hurricanes power play should spike with this player Um, but with every player you're going to have positives and you're going to have reasons why you're not totally complete so Jake Gardner to be fair has had some issues in his own end Um, he hasn't managed to pack well under pressure he's got to be better with that and Falk being in the lineup kind of uh, even though he's a high risk player I think he's improved with uh, you know his turnover ratio and all that Edmondson brings a different type of guy to the mix. Because Joe Edmondson is big, and he's strong, and he can be nasty. And I'm not 100% sure this team has a lot of that, and you No know, over the years has. So, if he can replenish the penalty-killing minutes, and I think that was the one thing I was worried about with no fault, is, you know, aside from Slavin and Pesci and a healthy Van Riemsdyk, you know, who else really kills penalties. Gardner never really has in his career and Hamilton doesn't and, you know, who, who's going to do this? Edmondson will have to be an X-factor this way and if so, I think it, you know what, it, it kind of completes it and, and you, you can't have everything you want but I, I think a lot of teams would, would covet uh, a group like this, you know, with Slavin playing at his best, Pesci playing at his best, Hamilton kind of doing what he does, Gardner... Is playing to his strengths not getting overwhelmed in too many situations Edmondson will be a big key if he if he can bring that dynamic is from what we understand he's a really good team person then okay and I would say yes I would say that they in a group of six it's, it's very formidable again uh, agree on all fronts um, I, I do think that um, it's a lot to ask but I do short term especially until Van Rienseck comes back from, from that shoulder surgery um, that, that there's a good chance that uh, the, the big horses for the Hurricanes on the back end are going to have to take on an increased workload when you're looking at Slavin when you're looking at Pesci um, I think wildcard is an overused, over or X-factor is an overused term um, terms um, but I, I think Dougie Hamilton is a huge X-factor this year Uh, so far watching in training camp he's only played one game in the preseason he does look a lot more comfortable this season to me I mean I know how much he produced in uh, in virtually all of his goals and even strength uh, in the second half of the year and that was a a significant catalyst to the Hurricanes uh, being able to to punch a ticket to the playoffs Um, but there's a lot more to give on the defensive side of things for Dougie Hamilton so if he is, in fact, a lot more comfortable, he's obviously a really light fault, um, and uh, can, to some level, be a shutdown defenseman on top of what he will do um, from an offensive uh, side of things. Uh, and if Jacob and Pesce are able to take on just a little bit more of a workload, uh, then I think the Canes are in business. Um, I agree with John that, um, uh, you know, in particular, the ability to move the puck in transition for Jake Gardner. Uh, hopefully to jumpstart a power play that anybody that has followed the Hurricanes over not just last year but the last uh, several years knows that it has been uh, a challenge um, and can he uh, help that he certainly has the tools from a playmaking standpoint to do it I don't think it's going to be with the booming shot that had, but uh, you know it, it's his ability to, to anticipate where to move the puck and to do it with authority that will help Jake on the power play and um, uh, Edmondson, John's absolutely correct um, because not just losing Falk who killed penalties, but Calvin Dehan was a reliable penalty killer for this team last year. Um, so if Edmondson can come in and provide that dimension, maybe Hamilton kills penalties a little bit, but that's where I'm talking about the increased workload of Slavin and Pesci, um, and in particular until you can get a guy like Van Riemsdyk back. Um, and, you know, the other two guys, uh, you know, that really it's. It's it's do or die time for the most part for uh, for a first round draft pick like Hayden Flurry to figure out what his niche is uh, and if so on this hockey club. He's been hurt in training camp. I know that Rod Brindemore has high hopes for the potential of Chase Prisky, and you can you know talk about that same potential with regards to Jake Bean. Um, there still is a lot of depth on the blue line, but there are a lot of questions too. Um, you know, I think that have to be answered uh, both uh, from increased job responsibility from the heavy lifters to you know who is going to really progress and
1: grab situational opportunities. Uh, you know, from a depth standpoint. A big thanks to John and Tripp for doing that interview. Uh, I'll have a full story right before the season, so probably October second or first. Um, so definitely check that out on canescountry.com dot com as well. But Brett, moving on. The Hurricanes, 2-2 two two in the preseason. Uh, they won game 1-2 and two against Tampa and lost, then lost 3-4 and four against Washington and Nashville, including an effort in which Rod Rindamore was pretty much, frankly, disgusted. <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh, he,
0: he wasn't inter- happy.
1: He was fired up in the preseason. I don't think anybody really gets fired up by the preseason, but, man, he seemed upset he over is, a preseason game. Man,
0: he is intense.
1: So, what are some of your thoughts on, on what you saw?
0: Um, so games one or game one was all right. Uh, a lot of young guys playing in Tampa. They won, uh, very good. Uh, not many regulars in the lineup, but they played well. Uh, game two was against Tampa. Uh, this time at home, and it was a it was an all right game. A lot of regulars. Uh, they won three nothing or two nothing. Um Moore wasn't happy about it after the game. He really, he, he was disappointed with the veterans, and you know, I he, you know, it's, it's a preseason game, and it was a bunch of veterans, and I don't think they were going necessarily uh, 100%, and, you know, you expect that out of veterans. They just had a deep playoff run. This is a preseason game. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, especially it was the first preseason game for most of the veterans, so that is what it is. They won, though. Uh, then game three in Washington, that was the game that Brynden Moore was disgusted with, uh, a game in which they went down 3-0, and they mounted a comeback late with goals from Brock McGinn and Yanny Koukounen, but it wasn't enough. They lost 3-2 in Washington. He was very upset. Not the best effort. Uh, really, the only player that stood out in a good way in that game was Julian Gauthier, who we'll talk about later. Um... And it looks like we're going to be talking about him a lot moving forward. Um, and then game four, they lost three nothing in Nashville on Wednesday night. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bad effort. They actually they played hard. Um, the thing was though, it was probably a B squad for Carolina. Uh, I think the senior most player was Nino Niederreiter and Howla and Dzingel, who again we'll talk about unfortunately here in a second. And then Gucci and Hs and a bunch of young guys. And the blue line was not very, uh, not very good. Uh, they none of the top four was in there. So, and Anton Forsberg was in that. So, in you know, in that Nashville game, they played hard. They they just you know Nashville put out everybody, including Pekka Renee and um, all of their top guys. They played everybody except for uh, who they did not. Uh, Philip Forsberg. Sorry, Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi. Those were the two that didn't play. Everybody else was in their normal lineup. Uh, It was close through two periods. They kind of broke away in the third period and won 3-0. Forsberg was amazing. I mean, really, really good in front of a not-so-great team. He was really the only reason it stayed a game for as long as it stayed a game. Um, Very good. Uh, Julian Gauthier was great again. Natchez had his best preseason game, I thought, in Nashville. Uh, very good in the third period. Hit the post. He created a lot of chances. Julian again, like I just said, Julian Gauthier has really put up a, a great camp so far, and I think he's going to make the team at this point. And and then I think also Natchez is going to make the team because it looks like Ryan Zingle is going to be out for a little bit. Unfortunately, there was a faceoff second period. A little, you know, the puck was loose in in this near the faceoff dot. Zingle and the other winger went in. winger fell awkwardly on Zingle's leg. It didn't look good. It doesn't seem to be now that we have a little bit more information, though, not much more. Uh, it doesn't seem to be super serious, but it, it looked pretty freaky at the time. It was a knee-ankle deal, and we'll see where it goes. Robert Moore said today that it is not a day-to-day injury, so it is, you'd assume off of that comment, it's going to be a week or more and that means that he will not be in the opening night lineup. If you're going off of those, uh, hints from Brenda Moore, uh, was feeling better today? So hopefully he improves quickly because they need him. And that means that this training camp competition between Marching Natchez and Julian Gauthier is, I wouldn't say it's done, but it looks like we have a resolution now because it looks like both of them, if Dzingel can't go, it's going to be both of them making the opening night roster. Um, in Goche's case, um, I mean, he's been by far Carolina's best player in the preseason. He has, you know, he's 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 been the power forward, and you see the speed, the yeah, you see all the signs that you want to see from him, um, especially after the year that he had last year in Charlotte. He took some big steps forward, as Justin can attest to, um, and it looks like he's starting to really turn to the player that they want him to be. And this will be his third season. It's a big season for him. And it looks like he's going to get some considerable NHL action. Um, so you got to love what you've seen out of Julian Gauthier. And Martin H. he's been on and off in the preseason. He's had some shifts where he's been good and others not so much. He's looked decent on the power play for the most part. Uh, but we'll, we'll see in these final two games of the preseason with, you know, like the – a lot of the veterans and the dress rehearsal type stuff, we'll we'll probably get a better uh, idea of what Natchez and Gauthier can bring when they're playing with players who are legitimate NHL players. Um, So, yeah, a a lot going on for preseason. Um, But it looks good for both Natchez and Gauthier who are fighting for roster spots. Um, Justin, uh, you watched Gauthier closely over the past couple of years. You've seen his growth. Um, and you saw NHS last year too. Uh, what re- has has this surprised you from Gauthier? I mean, I think we both considered him to be on the outside looking in at NHL spot, but he's had an excellent, excellent preseason.
1: No, I mean he's he's been trending up like a mountain. Really, he's he's headed towards the peak, and he is I a think, mountain. yeah, I'm a mountain man, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the first season, the 1718 season. I mean, he put up decent okay numbers 25 points but the the thing was like he wasn't clicking with felucci and like just things are off and you know it just seemed like i did i think there were, he had that one interview where he even threatened to uh to go to or he's like he said he wasn't happy or something like that yeah and i and then just things just completely changed in the 18-19 season and i mean his numbers improved and it just seems like he just was always in the right place at the right time. His physicality is just unbelievable. I mean, he he really did look like a man playing amongst boys there. Uh, and and I think, you know, given his size and skill set, he could even be at the NHL level. Um, look, I, I think that, you know, regardless of the Zingle situation, if he is healthy come opening night, um, then – if Gauthier sent down, he should be one of the first called up in the case of an injury, or you know, a lineup mix-up or something. If something's not working, um, I, I think he deserves a shot. I think I think it's time to say that he deserves a shot and you know, see what he's all about. He's 21 years old. He's got you know, bright future. I think in front of him. So um, yeah, I, I think he's he's deserving of of some time in the NHL for sure.
0: Yeah, he seems like one of those guys that. You know, there, there are some prospects who are like Gauthier and, and don't light up the AHL, but they get to the NHL and they fit better in more of a structured, um, more skilled uh, environment. I feel like he can be one of those guys because it feels like in the AHL, there's a lot of bigger guys who aren't necessarily quite as skilled and it's a bit, you know, mucky. You know, it's, you know, it's not necessarily easy to score a lot of points in that league. Um, and then you get to the a- NHL, and suddenly it's a lot faster, it's a lot more high tempo, uh, you know, there's more skill on the ice around Gauthier, and Gauthier can be a guy who can benefit from that if he's playing with, you know, a guy like Eric Hala or Sebastian Aho. you know, so... Um, I maybe that it could be a deal where Gauthier's skill set really lends well to the NHL because I mean it's it's definitely looked that way through through the preseason.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, nature's skill set, I think, could translate well. I mean, the shots there—you can't deny that the shots there. I think it's just positioning, and you know, it's the transition from. You know, he played some wing in the AHL. Yeah, Natchez is, um, is
0: is a bit of a different story from Gautier, Yeah, yeah,
1: and and, and you know the transition of center um, can be tough too. But no, like Gautier, the transition could be simpler. He's wing. You know, will have That's some. That's a very of that. simple game too. It's yeah, not like yeah. A
0: lot. Like it's not like Natchez where he has a different, a lot of different stuff going on.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think that transition could come a little bit smoother. And look, they're not expecting him to put up 30 goals or anything. So it's kind of a situation where he can wean himself in a little bit and, you know, kind of make an impact, maybe more of a Warren Fogel type of situation um, with a little bit more offensive upside, I think mm. for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. Just kind of wean him into the situation. I, I don't, I don't see that there would be any risk in that.
0: Yeah. If, I think Gauthier is a guy who's going to get used to the lead quicker but, obviously, I think the, the higher upside is with Martin Aitchis. It's just a matter of him totally figuring it out. Because high-skill players like that, it can take some time for them to really get it in the NHL. And, you know, Gauthier's game is a lot more simple. So, we'll see how that all pans out. And if Dezingle's out opening night, then I think both of them are on that in that top nine. So, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, two very interesting skill sets they have. So... Training camp cuts. We had a big one, a big set of cuts today, Thursday. Um, among the big names are Jesper Selgren, who got sent back to Lulea of the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, he looked really good in preseason. Um, I think he's a guy that the Hurricanes are really high on. Uh, Rob Rinnemore likes him a lot. Uh, he skates really well. He gets in the play. He makes good decisions with the puck. He's, he's very poised and calm. I think he's going to be a, a, a guy to watch. I think he's on pace to be an NHL player, I think, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, then there's also Alex Nadelkovich who got sent down to Charlotte. Bit of a weird situation, and Brendan said himself that he probably didn't get a fair shake given the contract situations with Reimer and Forsberg who played, like we said, excellent in Nashville. Uh, Nadelkovich doesn't need waivers. The other two do. And we'll see where it goes. I I don't think that he's going to be in Charlotte all year. I think he'll see some NHL time eventually when the time comes. It just doesn't seem like the right time now as they figure out what they want to do with with their goalies. So we'll see. Um, Sticking around. McEwen, Forsling, Fleury, Prisky, who's healthy now. uh, Yep, Forsberg, like I said. Max McCormick, Brian Gibbons or a couple of veteran guys. Um, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Selgrin's is a guy, again, I, I thought was really, really good. I think he was just as good, if not better, than Hayden Fleury, which is a problem potentially because what are they going to do about that bottom pair now that they have Edmondson, who is really a threat to Hayden Fleury, and the other guys down there? TVR won't start the year healthy, but he's not going to be far away. So you're you're talking about a bottom pairing of Edmondson, and then it's a, it's a competition between Forsling, Flurry, McEwen. Um, McEwen passed through waivers earlier this week, so he can be sent down at any time within the next, I think any time before October 24th, he can be sent down without waivers. So that's something to also consider. Um, man, what do you do about that final pairing?
1: Yeah, I think a healthy TBR uh, in Edmondson will probably round up that bottom pairing. Yeah. Um, you know, I I guess if they face some struggles, your first call is flurry, maybe. And then, I don't know. I'm just not as high on Prisky as some others. I like Bean a lot. I think what he did last year in Charlotte was great. Um, but I guess maybe you hold him over there a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think with the addition of Edmondson it makes it even tougher for Flurry. Falk was a threat to him, but I think Edmondson has that kind of physical edge that Flurry yeah. just doesn't have. Um, well even if Flurry has
0: it and develops it, I mean Edmonton's Edmondson is is what, like three or four years older than him. He's won a Stanley Cup. Like you can't like he's better than Flurry. He's a better option.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, overall, yeah, I th- I think that and now he adds a little bit more experience too. So, I mean, if, however much you want to play into that, then yeah, I mean, there's your decision made right there. But um yeah, and I think it, it complements TVR style a little bit as well. And yeah, I mean, I think they I think they would probably be the best fit there. But Flurry it's just been a weird Thing of his career like he's been good enough in some cases but it's just this defense is stacked it, it just put him in a weird situation as a player and um I don't know I think maybe his uh his next break is elsewhere and not not in a hurricanes uniform
0: that's sad so <laughs> poor one out for Hayden furry um <laughs> yeah man I was watching the preseason game in Nashville I'm just like Man, he needs to be better than this. Like, he's not like Selgren was better. And obviously, Selgren's younger and he can go back to the SHL and play against men in Sweden. And it makes sense for him. So that's why they sent him back. But man, like, McEwen looked better. Selgren looked better. Forsling didn't look better. Forsling did not look good. Um, <laughs> We we spent time talking about how Forsberg was the iffy acquisition. Forsling hasn't looked very good either. Um, I'm not sure how much Carolina's gonna get out of that trade with Dahan. Uh, also, side note: Alexi Sorella got sent to Charlotte, or not Charlotte, Chicago's minor league AHL team. I can understand fun. how you'd get
1: it. I can understand how you'd get it mixed up with Charlotte. It happened a
0: lot here. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, after Sorella spent the summer trashing Carolina for not giving him an opportunity. Um, he also is not going to get that opportunity in Chicago at the start, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, but, you know, the third pairing, I think McEwen's a big threat to Flurry right now, um, especially if, again, TVO's not going to start the year, so that's a right-hand defenseman. And McEwen who, I mean, he... It, it, McEwen kind of profiles to be a guy like Trevor Van Riemsdijk. So if, if you... Get him in the lineup, and you have that even right and left shooting balance. Then that's still not looking very good for Hayden Flurry. Um, yeah, I, I feel like acquiring Edmondson like that is not a vote of confidence in Flurry. So, and he's waiver eligible, so he can't go down to Charlotte because he's gonna get claimed. So, do you, you think you that because? Flurry would absolutely get claimed.
1: People are saying that about McEwen. I I don't know, man.
0: No, that, that's he? different though. That's different though. I never. I didn't think Fle- McEwen was going to get claimed. I absolutely think Flurry would.
1: Two years ago, I when he was first acquired, I thought, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get into this lineup eventually. I think but he's I going know. to as well. But no, no, I'm talking about McEwen.
0: No, no, I am too. I am too. Oh. I think that he's good enough to be an NHL ven- defenseman. Um, if not now, then very soon. I think he's he profiles as a TVR. My, my opinion of him hasn't really dipped over the past couple of years. Um, he's not anything special. I mean, he's going to be like a 3rd parent defenseman if he makes it. Um, I think he's capable, though. But I think it's different for Flurry because he was a first-round pick. Like, yeah. like people don't forget Top that. Top ten. <laughs> he was a number eight pick. So I... I absolutely think he would get claimed. I don't think... Like, if you traded him, you're not going to get much. I think you're going to get an equally iffy player. Maybe you can trade him for Sorella. <laughs> like, you can get a Sorella <laughs> out of him or something. Like, a, a questionable prospect or some kind of draft pick. Like, I'm not even sure what Flurry's value would be. Like, he would he would make a lot of teams. Like, I think it's also fair to remember that Carolina's blue line is ridiculous. So, like, he would make many blue lines in the nhl i think but with how carolina's set up it's like they don't have really the the ability to let him get consistent time in the nhl because they're wanting to win now and it this isn't audition time this is you if you're going to play you're you better be good or you're going to be out of the lineup so that's where it's tough and is a really awkward situation right now with with all that, and unfortunately, I could I could see a situation where McEwen outplays Flurry, and then McEwen still gets sent down to Charlotte because he is he doesn't have to go on waivers again. So, is it Flurry Edmondson to start the year, and then let's say that's the pairing for a few weeks, and then you reach the point of TVR is healthy again, and TVR takes Flurry's spot in the lineup. They play better as a pair than Flurry, and then it's it's just like that. You're back to where you were last year, where Flurry isn't good enough to play in the in the top six. So it's it's definitely a, a concern if if you're Flurry and you're Carolina trying to figure out what the hell to do with this guy because it just doesn't seem to be working out. Yeah, if he gets that
1: start uh, at the beginning of the year. He's really got to prove it. I mean, if, he has to be. Really I feel fantastic. like we've said it's do or die time for Flurry for the longest time, but it, it truly is do or die time. So, yeah. uh, speaking of do or die time, a little off topic. Did you see Minnesota? And in, in some of the comments, it said he would benefit Victor Rass to have a very oh very goodness. good game. Man, is he going to like the AHL or what is happening? I've... Something. Something crazy. I
0: wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, he was bad in Carolina. My favorite tweet I saw
1: recently was someone say, it would be better off if we just gave Carolina Nino Nita Ryder for free.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's wrong. You're paying <laughs> 4.15 four 4. or whatever for Victor Rask, who, he's, is he an NHL player? I don't think he is. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. Like, it's so bad. That was such a horrible move by Minnesota that we appreciate. I think it was a good deal for Carolina. That's all I really care about.
1: For sure. For sure, man. Um, so,
0: it's, it's that time of the podcast again.
1: It is that time of the podcast. No, it's not time for us to go. It's time for
0: our <laughs> no, Easter Don't, don't get conference. too excited. We're not leaving yet.
1: It's time for our Eastern Conference preview. We have the West. Uh Brett had answers and then decided to switch them up. Uh I do remember that. I, I did them off but. the top of
0: my head. I, I prepared this time. And I last time I said Vancouver's going to the playoffs. So let's see how this one goes.
1: Vancouver's going to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah that was the risky one. But I took I took Arizona with my risky one. I just feel mine's a little bit safer.
0: Yours um, is safer.
1: I, I agree. But let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Brett, what does your Atlantic
0: Conference look like? Conference? It's a or, excuse me, Atlantic
1: series. Division. Atlantic what Division. What are you
0: doing? <laughs> um, Atlantic Division. Yes. Uh, okay, let's do it. Number one in the Atlantic. This is a hot take. I'll take Tampa Bay. I'll take Tampa oh, Bay is number one in the Atlantic. It's a really hot take. Number two, I will take the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right. Am I throwing you off at all yet? No, you're not. Okay. Number three. Let me know if I throw you off with this one. The Boston Bruins.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Number four.
1: Wait. So we're going through the full division here.
0: Okay. No, you know what? Okay. I'll do my three and then you do U3, you and then I'll do my Metro 3, you do your Metro 3, and then we'll do wild card. We'll do I'm, that. glad we're ex-
1: I'm glad we're explaining this during the podcast. During the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We
0: very clearly should have done it before. We probably should you have done You go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, number one, it is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow. Ooh, big, bold choice there. Uh, number two is also the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. Uh, just offensive stacks. It's kind of hard not to... Put them at least.
0: Yeah, Tampa, Toronto. It's like, answer. do we really need to explain it? It's like now you, you know what's you know what's going on there.
1: Now here comes my number three. The Florida Panthers.
0: All right. Yeah. I, yes. I. am I'm, I'm with you on that. It's time. Not bad. It's not they bad
1: have bad. the goaltending. They have literally had the second best power play. I think for the past two years or something like that. Yeah. A season ago, before last season, they were two points out of a playoff spot. And they had 94 points, so it was like they were close enough. Uh, This one, it was a little bit of down the stretch. And then, you know, with just how Columbus and the Canes were playing, they just couldn't make up the difference. But for sure, with this goaltending addition, and, like, you already have Barkoff, you already have Huberto, you already have a great offense, I think they can do it. I Mm -hmm. I think – you know, maybe maybe three is a little bold for them, but I think they could squeeze in. So okay. I will stick with them at three, um, in the Atlantic, and they're getting in. It's 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 cat country time. Is that what they call it, cat country? I don't know. It?
0: Um, it might. I want to see
1: rats thrown on the ice again.
0: Okay, well <laughs> sorry, but well, there you go. Um, yeah, I I like Florida. I'll talk more about Florida later. Um, my metro, one through three. Number one, Washington. I think they'll bounce back. I think that a longer off season will have them motivated to do better or whatnot. Okay. So Washington's number one. They're they're Washington. They're they're always gonna be annoying and good. Number two the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm taking them second in the Metropolitan Division. What a world we live in where I'm just confidently saying that Carolina's gonna finish third in the division. Um, they second, got... you said second Second, not third, yeah. second Second in the division, Carolina um, I think they got better over the offseason I mean, they had Jake Gardner and Edmondson And they lost Falk and Don. I think that's a bit of a wash um, They had Dzingle, Paula, Natchez, Gauthier They're good And Ajo's a year older They have the goaltending that should be somewhat stable If Moraza can play it the same way he did last year They'll be fine and I think they're going to be second in the division. Number three, I'll take the Pittsburgh Penguins because they're always in the playoffs. <laughs> end of, okay, end that's, of, end that's of description.
1: Safe. That's safe. Um, number one in my Metropolitan Division is the Washington Capitals. Um, kind of hard to knock the, the Kings off the throne, more or less. And I expect Alex Ovechkin to inch even closer to Gretzky's goal record. Hot take?
0: Is that a hot if, take? I think he may. I mean, if he, he may one, I just can score think, one goal
1: this season. I think this is more real. <laughs> yeah, I, ha ha ha. But I, <laughs> I, I think it's just it's becoming more realistic. I don't think it's as crazy as people say. If he, if he continues on his pace, it's possible. It's possible.
0: Anything's um,
1: possible. Number two, I'll put the Pittsburgh Penguins there that wow. could be an ugly take for both of us but that blue line if their blue line yeah. doesn't perform because if yeah. that they're going to be lo- they're going to be losing like a lot of f- 5 to 4 games so
0: or 7 yeah. to 6 it games could be bad or nine and
1: there's actually a report just not too long ago drager went on tsn 1050 and uh yeah, spoke about how they're looking to trade Jack Johnson, but they're going to have to throw in a sweetener <laughs> that was mis- in order to get the deal it's done. Like,
0: that was the stupidest move I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Jack Johnson, they signed him for 70 years. It's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. It, it was so. very it was so obvious that in a year they were going to be in a situation where, "All right, we'll give you our top prospect just to get rid of him." It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It's pretty Pretty, pretty rough. So done. Yeah, they're trying hard to move him, and then he expects Rutherford to be able to pull off the deal. Yeah, I also expected. I also expected Jim Rutherford to get his deadline help for many years, but he wasn't able to pull that off. Anyways, Um, number three, I will put the Carolina Hurricanes. I think they get a division spot. Don't think it's a hot take. If if everyone stays healthy,
0: second. So, yeah, that's true.
1: Um, If everyone stays healthy. They're getting over a hundred points, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, ninety nine last year. You add Zingle Halla in now a kind of maybe even strangely better defense.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it, it could get pretty pretty interesting, and they could get over a hundred points. So I will take that as my top three.
0: And they have now the confidence of knowing that they're able to do it. I think that's a big point, that big deal yeah. too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, now moving on to the wild card spots. Now this is where it gets really interesting. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot of competitive teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't think the the point differential is going to be as great as it as it was last year. You know, the Montreal missing the playoffs and then the drop off was Florida and that was ten point difference. So, yeah. um, I think it's going to be a lot more compact. And there's definitely some other teams to watch now with some of the additions in the uh, Metropolitan Divisions. So uh, how do you see the wild card shaking out?
0: Yeah, um, Carolina needs to start well. (laughs) They need to get where they should be, which is in the top three in the Metro, and stay there. Because this middle pack is going to be tough. And if Carolina doesn't play to expectation and finds themselves in that middle pack, They're asking for a lot of trouble because that's going to be tough. Um, So for my wild cards, um, I'm going to go with number four, Florida. Uh, I could easily see them finishing top three and Boston falling out. Uh, I think we're on the same page with Florida. I'm high on them. I think they're going to be very good. So I think they're going to finish fourth in the Atlantic, first wild card. Second wild card, I'll give it to Montreal. I think they're they're able to sneak in... Montreal, you know, they have Carey Price. They they have good pieces. It's going to be close, I think. It's going to be Montreal. It's going to be New Jersey. I th- it could be the Islanders. It could be Philly if they get the goaltending. It's I think there are probably 4 or 5 teams that could very realistically be in that second wild card. I'll go with Montreal. I'm not very confident about it.
1: I will go Boston in the number one wild card spot with Montreal at number two. I think Montreal gets over the hump. Uh, Columbus drops drastically down the standings uh, without their top goaltender and top goal scorer. Um, I just don't think they're going to be able to compete in this division. I think you're going to have the two fringe teams are going to be the Rangers in New Jersey. I think they're going to be you know, kind of like Rangers right will at the be
0: there too, yeah.
1: Yeah, kind of right at the borderline there. Uh, I think Montreal squeezes in over them. I'll give them. I'll give a the advantage to Price over Lundqvist in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, and New Jersey, I think that you know seventy-two points last year. That's going to be bumping up into the nineties. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a safe assumption. I, or maybe like ninety or upper eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna. They're gonna definitely improve, especially with Jack Hughes and you know now you got Wayne Simmons and. Uh, uh, Taylor Hall in a, a contract year, Taylor Hall in a contract year, PK Subban. I mean, it they could surprise some people as well, but for sure, um, yeah, I think Columbus drops down drastically. But again, I picked Pittsburgh in there. It would not surprise me to see them out of the playoffs mm. at all. It doesn't. I mean, the defense is suspect, but it's kind of hard to go against Sidney uh, Crosby and Evgeny Malkin for sure. Yeah.
0: We have the exact same playoff teams.
1: Yeah, but just a little mixed up.
0: Yeah. The only difference I, was uh, Florida the, in the in the metro we had Carolina and Pittsburgh flipped. I had Carolina 2 and Pittsburgh 3. You had it the other way around. And in the Atlantic I had Boston 3-4 to 4 and you had that flipped around. Yep. I don't know. Wow. Really, We're on the I same think page
1: here. So, so. I think the big thing here is is whether it's to watch next year or to watch in the you know, between the next two Pittsburgh and Boston are going to hit a wall. It's only a matter of time. I think Boston maybe a little less so because they've been they've done such a great job
0: drafting and developing.
1: Of, yeah, they've done a great job of building on the fly. So maybe them a little less so, but the cupboard has run very thin in Pittsburgh, and they're gonna hit a wall yeah. soon. It's just a matter of when. It's going to happen. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And especially when Crosby retires, but he's still a few years away from that. But I wonder if they get completely less competitive over the next few years. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Happens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's it's going to happen. It's only a matter of when.
0: Yeah. All right. I think, I think we got it. I think those are our predictions and uh, don't hold us to it. So yeah, I also think that is a podcast next week. um, Prior to opening night, we will have a full Carolina hurricane season preview. Um, We will be joined by Corey Lavalette of the North state journal. Um, We will talk about the Canes with him. And it will be a wonderful, wonderful time, and we're going to talk about so much Kane stuff. It's going to be great. Just Carolina Hurricanes directly into your veins, and we're excited about it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the way to start a season of podcast. Am I yes. right?
0: Yes, it is. we got some
1: Forslund and Trip Tracy in this episode, and then now and then we have Corey on the next episode. Man, yeah. we're we're set. We're yeah, set. We're we're, we're flying good. into the season. Absolutely. All right. Everybody have a good
0: week. Have a good week. Prepare yourselves. Hockey is so close.
1: Get your jerseys out. Let's get started.
0: Get get your jerseys out. Take it, spin
1: it around your head like a helicopter.
0: All right. All right. That's very good. All right. We'll we'll talk to you next week. Or this week. Heck, it's going to be Podcast City. Goodbye.